Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. From the Xfinity Studios at WVON, it's America's Heroes Group, hosted by Cliff Kelly, with co-host Dr. Damon Arnold and National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne on the Talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the Talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. And welcome to America's Heroes Group. This is Happy New Year to America, January 7th, 2023. January is Cervical Cancer Awareness and National Blood Donor Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Cleaver, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And our regional and our <laughs> digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. In this section, we're going to have the America's Heroes Roundgroup table. We are globally connected with Kyler Health News. So our panelist today is Sarah Jane Tribble. She is a senior correspondent covering rural health for Kaiser Health News. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real honor. My father is a Vietnam veteran, and uh, and I just really appreciate uh, what you guys do and being on this program. Thank you. I appreciate your presence. I've listened to you a lot on NPR and lost some of the things you've done in health news and also with special covering the COVID controversy and the COVID experience here in America has been groundbreaking to work, I think, in many ways, because you've kind of touched on a lot of different things that people didn't want to talk about. And your work today, you did something really great. I want to talk about today, you collaborated with Lauren Weber, correct, for the health news investigation. The system feds rely on to stop, repeat, health fraud is broken. That is pretty, pretty alarming. And so when people are banned from getting funding or getting contracts for health services, medical companies. Tell us about that. How does that, what does it mean to be banned? And also give us a, kind of a, an idea about, you know, how federal officials and, uh, you know, and, and business owners that work in the healthcare field, how they're able to actually keep doing what they're doing or weren't supposed to do when they're banned by a, a government agency. I don't get it. Right. Yeah, that was the big question, actually. And it, uh, it, it was a question that arose out of previous reporting out of rural Missouri when two rural hospitals had closed. And I can talk about that a little bit later. But to answer your question now, um, what we're talking about are people who are banned from all federal health care programs. So you're talking about Medicare, Medicaid, um, Indian Health Services. And these people aren't beneficiaries. They're not like my, you know, my mom or dad or Uh, somebody's grandparent who uses Medicare, these are the business owners. So they're often hospice owners. Um, They can be providers such as nurses and doctors. These people are the folks who got caught doing bad things or were accused of doing bad things and settled with the government by agreeing to this ban to not actually bill or file claims with federal programs again. 
So how does someone get banned? What are some of the, the egregious things that will get someone kicked out of uh, these programs? Yeah, so in our reporting, um, so we found that there were people who um, had, you know, they paid kickbacks to doctors to get, or to other people to get patients to, they like durable medical equipment in Florida, for example, is a big one on the list. So somebody would open a durable medical equipment company and maybe they would get a list of Medicare um, beneficiaries and they would then sell um, prescription products to those beneficiaries that maybe weren't necessary or maybe they were upcoded in some way. So they got in trouble and got caught for that. People can get banned. Nurses often um, can get banned for um, doing things like stealing drugs. Uh, hospice owners, um, home health owners, we found cases where people would take their narcotics from their patients and things like that, and they were caught. Often these are caught by whistleblowers. Often they're caught by investigations um, into these agencies, um, whether they be Medicaid state fraud agencies or just court records and court cases where the DOJ will lift it up and, and put it on the list. So this list you talk about, and it's in your article, and it goes in detail, Give us, an, give us an idea about the list and how is the list created um, more clearly, but then also what does it do? What does, what, so being on this list, how, does, how, does, how do people reconcile if a person is guilty and shouldn't be practicing, why wouldn't the list prevent someone from being caught? Yeah, it's a great question. It was sort of where we started our reporting. The list is um, kept with the Office of Inspector General for the U.S. Department of Health and, Sur- Health and Human Services. And it's a public list. It's linked in our story. Anybody can type in for the list of excluded people and pull it up and search it. Um, And it's the people who are barred from these systems. Experts told us people who were former DOJ, Department of Justice attorneys, former CMS, uh, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services officials, they said this is supposed to make somebody radioactive. In other words, once your name gets on that list, um, if you are an employer and you see that person's name on the list, you're supposed to say, hey, I can't hire you because I can't pay you with federal funds. Um, and this works, actually. It works with large healthcare systems, large clinics. A lot of these large healthcare systems will have their own, you know, HR departments, own departments that review employees on a regular basis, whether that be monthly or quarterly. And they'll find employees that they already employ or staff that they're going to hire who are on the list. And they'll work with the federal government um, once they find that person. So the list does do something. What we found, though, was that the list doesn't really apply, or it's supposed to apply, but there's nobody really watching when a business owner, an individual business owner, is put on that list and then maybe can create a new business. Uh, There's a lot of uh, holes in the system when it came to that. It seems like, uh, as an aside to that, that people that are in the business of committing fraud they are. They like to live in the loopholes of the law, and when they yeah. do that, they can you know they can kind of find ways to get in. And if if our law enforcement and people that and also there's just some onus on the industry itself, you would think. I mean, I work in a similar industry where there's a highly it's highly regulated. When you there's if you, the people there's some has to be some kind of onus on the people that are in the medical industry when they see that they're doing business with someone who may have had a bad a past that was you know, that got them on the list, that they do their due diligence to make sure that they report that, you would think. Yeah, I mean, that that is how a lot of them get caught the second time around. It's somebody who in the same company is either being investigated um, for a, a similar crime and they get caught up in that, or they then 
tell on the person and say, hey, so-and-so over there, they're on the list. Um, go, go, go after them. Don't go after me. That can happen, too. Um, you know, when we started this reporting, um, I mentioned the rural hospitals in Missouri. Uh, I had done a series of stories throughout 2022 on these rural hospitals because of a tip. And the tip was that a man who co-founded the company that bought these rural hospitals, um, he was banned. And he had, uh, he had been banned for a company he previously owned. Um, he had settled the charges without declaring guilt. You know, he declared no wrongdoing. But he had settled the charges and agreed to a five-year ban. Within months, his name was on a state registration document in Missouri for co-founding this company, which he told me, um, and it's in our stories, that he helped co-found to help save a hospital. And the question we were asking is, well, how can somebody operate a company that runs hospitals that are often, you know, they take in Medicare and Medicaid funding, how can somebody run that and, and be on the banned list? And so he will tell you he, he did nothing wrong. He didn't violate his exclusion, but they're... The bottom line is he didn't have his name on the Medicare application, the 855A form is what they call it. Um, and uh, nobody nobody noticed that um, because there was no reason to notice it. This other employees, other executives put their name on that application. And um, the only way I knew about it is because somebody had tipped me off on it. Wow. And in the story, you know, he will say he did nothing wrong. He did not violate his exclusion. Right. Um, and that's, that's all, uh, you know. Uh, that's that's his point. Um, and he's, as far as we know, you know, the Office of Inspector General has not confirmed or denied an investigation into that person. Um, but the question remains for the people in rural Missouri, you know, why would, how was this company created? And we lost our hospitals, we lost our jobs, we, we lost our health care. And so they really want to understand where the fault lines are with the federal government and the federal agencies that keep this list. So you focus a lot on, on business owners that were banned since 2017. Um, so why from 2017 on? Or what was special about that particular period? It's a five-year period. And initially, many of the bans are for five-year periods. So we wanted to kind of keep it within a, a solid block where we could see these business owners and healthcare executives and um, make sure that they were five years. Now, once you're uh, finish with the five years, you're supposed to kind of resubmit an application and get reinstated. A lot of times people don't do it for whatever reason. Maybe they don't realize they're on the list in the first place, or maybe they just aren't going to go back into health care. Um, but once you're finished with the ban, you can get reinstated if you want to. Okay. So can you give us, a, like, in your article, you talk about a couple of cases. I want to get more into those cases at the time we have left, because there are, I think they t they kind of paint the picture for people as to how egregious this can be. Because I've heard of stories in the past like this, um, mm -hmm. but you never hear about what happens after the yeah. fact, like where these people go. It reminds me of the Wolf of Wall Street. So, I mean, he seemed like a perfect character that kind of falls into these categories of these guys that go out and do these egregious things, but they always tell you they did nothing wrong. They did everything by the book. And technically, if you want to get in, in detailed, there's a difference between being ethical and but and being illegal. But when you're doing something so egregious, that's a, that's another thing. Like I keep using the word egregious because these guys are ripping people off and stealing money from individuals and also taxpayers on top of that. So they're hurting people that need medical attention or, or, or maybe doing things like I've heard often of selling people stuff that they didn't order or giving them you know, health devices and calling people seniors on the phone and trying to 
you know, steer them into the things that they don't really need and then sending them stuff they didn't order and then charging their, their accounts for things that they didn't really want in the first place. So, I mean, these things are egregious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to read a little bit just because I want to make sure that I stick close to the legal language of mm-hmm. some of these cases. But, you know, when we called and, you know, we what we did is we pulled a list of 1,600 healthcare business owners and executives. And, and that was the number of healthcare business owners and executives since um, 2017. And then we did a random pool of 300 people from that. And we did extensive, exhaustive background checks. And we would look at not only social media, but we did background checks with some public access accounts we had. We checked state re- business registration documents. Um, we checked property documents. Um, and court records to see if these people were maybe double dipping. And I'll just read um, from some of our findings. We had um, what we found is eight people appeared to be serving or served in roles that they could actually be violating their bans again. Um, six of them appeared to have transferred control of a business to a family or household member after being banned. So say they ran a, a nursing home and they got banned. So they just gave it to their wife, yeah, put it under her name or something like that. It used to be done in the mafia and probably still done in the mafia. <laughs> Nine had previous unrelated felonies before getting money from the federal government. Um, so they, these are people who have been you know, either arrested for narcotics or other felonies or fraud claims before then getting an application in and getting money from the federal government. Um, and seven of them were repeat violators, and that was confirmed through, you know, Department of Justice press releases and court cases. Um, and they they were very interesting because they had been banned before, then they got caught again by the officials, either the police or the state regulators. And in many of those cases, it was millions of dollars in taxpayer funds that went to these people after um, they'd been banned previously and while they were breaking their ban. Crazy. Um, yeah, but I, and I can talk about some of the very specific uh, cases. I interviewed a couple of folks who um, graciously answered the phone for me. One was a man, Frank Bianco, in Florida, and he had had previous felonies. And, in fact, I found in the court cases, I found a couple of felonies. And when I called him, he says, oh, no, there, there, were, there were more than that. Um, he had been, um, you know, under the influence. He had had a, a, a drug um, record and um, one of his friends after you know he was clean and they said we could start this durable medical equipment company and he openly admits he didn't put his name on the application because of the previous felonies hmm. so um, yeah so that was he was he was gracious in talking to me um, there was another um, couple that talked to me um, they were twin brothers Thurley and Royley Belfry in Minnesota mm-hmm. and they are actually working on a book and put possible podcast after um, being released from prison after they were um, sentenced. So they, their case that, is really, that one that really interesting. That. And his, <laughs> the wife of one of, of one of the brothers is, was a former Miss America, Miss, Miss Minnesota USA. Yes, and yeah. there's and two different right, two yeah, different yeah. pageants, and right. so we, we made sure that we had the right pageant, right. Miss Minnesota it's, USA it's, title. It was funny because you brought that up because when I looked at it, I wanted to go look. I said, "That can't be true." So I went and tried to do. I looked up the list from Miss, Uni- Miss Minnesota, and then I realized there's a different one from Miss Minnesota USA, which is what goes into the Miss USA pageant. She won the Miss right. Minnesota USA. Yes. And she came in third. She came in, she came in third runner up in the third. Miss America pageant. 
You did what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, both Royley and Thurley told me this. And um, we had a conversation about including that bit of information in the story. But in actuality, when his wife um, created the home care company, they named it Model Healthcare because of her, I was told. So um, it was relevant to the story uh, that that she was a former um, you know, pageant contestant. Yes. Do you, did you um, get a sense that when you talked to them that they had any you know feeling of wrongdoing? Like they did anything wrong? Did they feel any kind of? Um, I mean, how do you how do you steal money from the government or steal money from people that need they're they're in need, and then think well you know it's okay because because literally people are being called or solicited and they're and they're typically seniors most often, and are being sold medical equipment oftentimes or they're being duped into buying certain things that they they don't need or doesn't service them or maybe getting equipment or things that are dangerous to them that can harm Mm -hmm. them, and they're making money off of that. I mean, someone who's lived on fixed income getting a bill for $9,000 in the mail and then being taken to – going to the extent of even putting that on their credit and harassing them to pay this as a debt. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and let me, I, I want to make sure I stick closely to sort of the legal language with mm-hmm. Thurley and Morley because they disagree with the federal government. I think um, the quote they gave me was something along the lines of they think the federal government's facts were inaccurate in their case. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the Justice Department said, they said Thurley made millions in illicit profits off his home care agency um, when he shouldn't have been working at all. Basically, it was millions because he shouldn't have been, you know, operating these and he was banned um and they allege the government alleges that they spent the money on a caribbean cruise uh, high-end housing and attempts to develop a reality tv show based on their lives um now uh royally actually had a production company or has a production company so it's not as if they didn't have activity and friends in Mm -hmm. the tv world before um this case happened um, yeah, the, gov- the brothers told me the government's facts were inaccurate. That was their direct quote, um, and that they look forward to telling their story in the book. Um, it, it's fascinating to read the court cases on that one because, um, because the way that things happened is it could almost be a TV show. And I, right. I, I don't want to quote anything and be, right. be wrong, um, but... If anybody has access to the Minnesota court records and can look them up, it's 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 a fascinating read wow. um, on how those brothers were treated, how the what the government's case was. It had to do with IRS tax money and so forth. There was a lot of money at stake. Hmm. So what what can we do to fix this problem? Like, what are some of the, you have some? I know you had some ideas, and you mentioned at the end of your article um, that you could. There were some things you suggested. What are some of the things you think would be most effective as to making the list more powerful or more? Um, effective at, at blocking people, which is what it was intended to do in the first place. I mean, the challenge with this list is, especially with executives who are independent business owners, um, and they can sidestep the law by going and opening another agency, is it's really difficult for the federal agencies to cross-check, say, state business records and registrations, which is what we did in our look. So they do do that in some cases. Um, when we talked to the experts, the former, um, you know, Department of Justice attorneys and former CMS experts, they had a couple of suggestions, right? Um, one of the numbers we checked when we were doing the background checks is the um, National Provider Identifier Record. It's called the NPI for short. And it's um, doctors, nurses, and other, you know, other people who care for patients and health businesses register for these numbers to file the claims with insurance companies 
and, and Medicare and so forth. So if you have to register for this number, this seems like a number that you might attach to this list. And it's it's not attached to the list. KHN found that the NPI, NPI numbers had not been revoked after somebody was put on the list. Hmm. And so some people we talked to said that might be, you know, something that could take place. You could revoke those numbers after that person is banned so that when they go to file a claim, they can't, hmm. right? They can't bill. That seems like, um, you know, a fairly, you know, fairly simple um solution. One person said that the impact should just be wiped clean after they're excluded, precluding them from submitting the bill. I was talking to a source yesterday, actually, about this, and he's a former leader at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Program for Integrity. He had said that, you know, if you could somehow um, attach more whistleblower money to catching these people, maybe mm-hmm. sweeten the pot for people to be on the lookout for these business owners, that might help. Um but in the end, he said, really fixing some of these problems is in the in the purview of the Senate Finance Committee. Um, and we all know how, you know, D.C. is working right now. Right. <laughs> so, working, <yeah>. But <laughs> the Senate Finance Committee could alter some 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 language for what CMS can patrol and what OIG and, and give them a little bit more power, maybe even a little bit more money hmm. to go after these folks. I th- you mentioned something in your article I thought would have been would, would make a lot of sense because it. it there, that strategy actually has been used in a lot of other um, areas of, the, of finance and, th- and places like that, where a, a person who's been banned can have up to 5% ownership in another company as long as that person is not doing something that's directly related to pretty much the medical field is what I, how I understood it. If they eliminated that, because one of the guys you talked about in your article, he said, he's, he said well, I'm not, I'm not 5% owner, I'm only 3% owner. Therefore, right. I'm okay. <laughs> You know, once again, living in the, in that gray area, finding those loopholes in the law where they can continue to do what they're doing. You know, so if they if they made it so that you can't even be a janitor in a medical facility, getting them out of the business completely, I think because that actually has happened for I mean for people that aren't even anywhere in the near the league of the wealth that these guys have, people get punished and sometimes banned and locked out of parts of society because they have the smallest of infra- infractions. These people are doing mm-hmm. egregious, big things. So that could be a way, I think, that for people to think about. We think about trying to change these rules and regulations or trying to modify things and make things easier for or harder for the criminals but easier for consumers and for people that are being taken advantage of, and particularly our elders. Our elderly are the yes. people that really are being abused by this. So, I really Yeah, I, the, the, the number of hospice and um, nursing home and home care agencies on the list is is. I mean, I, we didn't run the numbers to, to calculate the percentage, but definitely, I think I think we should be concerned about the older folks um, who who can be very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So, Jane Tribble, it was an honor and a pleasure. Hope to have you back. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.